0: What Keep Kids Alive is all about, it's all about preserving relationships.
1: The best part of my job is at the end of a claim when I'm having a meeting with a client, most times those end in hugs, you know, rather than tears. So so again, I mean, that's just the most rewarding to me, not only helping clients through the time of, you know, allowing them to heal, whether that's mentally or physically initially, you know, we can take that initial stress off of them in dealing with the insurance company, helping guide them through the process to ultimately be able to bring it to closure for them. At the end of the day, the insurance companies don't have my clients' interests at heart. What I'm hired is to represent their interest and in, in dealing with those insurance companies to, again, bring situation to closure, and it's very rewarding. It's things that we're all taught in driver's training, but as we get farther and farther away from that, we're more experienced drivers and think we're better drivers. So we push some of that safety information to the back of our minds and get distracted by other things. Safety involves all of us. Myself and our firm and in the cases we handle can have some impact as well as your organization, but it's really all of us combined and, and having a consistent message to get out to the community
0: want to welcome uh, our audience to the Keep Kids Alive podcast. I'm Tom Everson. I'm the executive director and founder of Keep Kids Alive Drive 25. We're a uh, nonprofit traffic safety education organization. We're based in Omaha, Nebraska, but we work with communities all over the country and sometimes uh, around the world as well. And our, our mission is simply to help make streets safer for all who walk, cycle, play, drive and ride. And so that's all of us in some way, shape or form and our concerns are about uh, safety on and along roadways. Today, we have a very special uh, guest, Matt Bolton, a personal injury attorney from uh, Indiana. Uh, He has his own uh, firm. You know, we connected a couple of years ago, and as I remember it, and I'll let you chime in here in a moment, Matt, you contacted us about maybe becoming a partner in Indiana to help us move our mission forward, and I have to own that we don't get many uh, requests like that. You know that it seemed kind of random and uh, out of the blue from somebody that we didn't know. So, you know, I want to invite you to share about you know why you decided to connect with us or how you learned about Keep Kids Alive Drive Twenty Five in the first place. So, welcome, Matt.
1: Well, thank you, Tom. Uh, I appreciate the the invitation and uh, it's a pleasure to join you. But uh, yeah, I, we have a, a marketing consultant that helps us with things uh, by the name of Casey. and I think he's who first reached out to you. But you know, we view ourselves sort of as a unique personal injury firm. We're not about volume of cases or anything on those lines. Our motto is get True like Family, so personal service to our clients as well as trying to impact our community for the betterment. So, and part of that, we're always looking for partners to uh, not only get our message out there, but but certainly sharing shared messages. We initially uh, looked at your website and then had some conversations with you, and and uh, I think we really do have some some shared missions. For both our firm as well as your organization. So it kind of just overlapped there. And then it's been a good couple of years, you know, working with you.
0: Well, thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. You know, this is our first time that we've had a personal injury lawyer on our podcast. And I thought this is a good opportunity to help educate our listeners about your role in this whole system. That uh, we have had a lot of stories of families who have sadly had to endure the death of a loved one because of a crash. And much of the good that those families have worked to bring into the world in honor of their loved one. But your work is a, a piece of this uh, puzzle or equation, however we want to look at it, that oftentimes uh, I don't think that we get a chance to have many insights into. And so, but I guess I'd just like to start with your story. Uh, you know, what led you to to do what you
1: do and become the person that you are at this point in your life? Sure. I'm in my early 50s now. And, and uh, so going back, I never envisioned being where I'm at today. Uh, you know, growing up, I thought I would be somewhere in the business world. My parents always sort of taught me that a law education is good no matter what you do. It just teaches you how to think and then approach certain issues and could be uh, you know, a good resource in anything I do. So, so I envisioned going to law school and ending up in corporate America somewhere. I went to Drake uh, University Law School, which is in Des Moines, Iowa. They have a very good clinical and trial skills program and they had uh, first-year law students. Everyone has to do a moot court competition, which is essentially arguing to a panel of judges. And that kind of got me outside my comfort zone, which I realized, uh, you know, I kind of liked. <laughs> um, and again, just took more of those classes through the trial skills and uh, really liked the litigation. So uh, as part of that, also after my first year of law school, I went to uh, undergrad at Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana. I was able to uh, uh, get a clerkship with a law firm uh, in Bloomington after my first year of law school. The gentleman I worked for, Bill Lloyd, he'd been in, in Bloomington 25, 30 years and Belonged to the small enough town. He had some business clients and did a little bit of everything, but his primary practice was personal injury litigation. So he sort of taught me the, the basics of it that first summer and, and uh, hired me back each summer after that and, and offered me an opportunity to come to work for him uh, after graduating law school. And then uh, he also kind of allowed me to find my way a little bit. He allowed me to take on some divorce cases, which I quickly learned is not an area of law I wanted to handle. And I really just you know found that personal injury litigation is what's close to my heart and what I really enjoy. Going back to what you said, it, it's a full spectrum. I mean, a lot of times we're meeting with, with individuals or families in one of the toughest times of their lives. And it, it is a process and, and uh, part of our role is educating the clients on what that process is and what they can expect. But ultimately, hopefully at the end of the situation, we don't use the word happy or anything, but you know, there's a reasonable outcome for everyone. To be able to uh, move on so part of that process to help clients ultimately find that peace and and, uh, justice is is what i really enjoy
0: what attracted you to personal injury itself you know because you mentioned about being given different cases uh different kinds of law but you were really attracted to the personal injury what is it about that i don't know that kind of tugged at you
1: uh, I think there's a couple of things. One, uh, every day is different. I mean, each case is different. Each case could sound the same—it's a rear-end car accident—but within that, there's all sorts of nuances of what happened, why it happen that way, as well as you know, each client we have—we all have our own personal medical histories and. Some of us have prior injuries that we bring with us, so so each day uh, is different. Whereas you know, I anticipate if I was doing state work or something on those lines, I would be tied behind the desk every day, kind of doing the same thing, and that that just uh, doesn't provide uh, a whole lot of interest to me. But, but the other aspect is also the personal aspect of things and getting to interact with with people and my clients. And again, at the end of the day, trying to help them deal with with the insurance companies uh, who have their own agenda. And trying to to deal with that process because at the end of the day the insurance companies don't have my clients' interests at heart. What I'm hired is to represent their interests and in, and in dealing with those insurance companies to again bring the situation to closure. And it's very rewarding.
0: Well, when you think about the uh, the personal aspect of of your work. Is there a story or two that you'd be privileged to share? I mean, I realize, you know, everybody may not want their story shared. But, you know, when you think back through the years, uh, is there a story or two that really kind of highlights the good that can come out of, of uh, your work?
1: There is. And it's sort of like you mentioned before, many families that you work with end up honoring their family members through one way or the other. But that's been some of the most rewarding for me as well is, it was a, a wrongful death uh, group of five or six teenagers in a car out in the country late at night, dark roadway. There was some alcohol and drugs involved. And unfortunately, there was a single vehicle collision that resulted in, in the death of our client named Cody. Unfortunately, I never got to, to meet him, but I, but I know a lot about him. He'd had a rough life growing up. His household, there, there were some allegations of, of, of abuse. He was in the uh, child protective system for many years. And then... Uh, he met uh, my client, Kathleen. She was not a registered foster mom, had never had a foster child before, but when Cody was about 60 years of age, their paths crossed. And uh, the, the DCS said, yes, Kathleen, even though you're not licensed, we think you'd be a good a good match for him. And they, they placed uh, Cody with Kathleen. And he had been living with her for about a year, year and a half before this accident uh, and his passing. They talked about potentially her uh, adopting him. He was about to reach the age of 18, um, but, but just for their personal reasons and the relationship they would built going through the adoption process. But unfortunately, before that happened, Cody passed. And there were a lot of issues with, with the case. Their relationship at the time was one of the issues under the law of Indiana. She was not a natural parent of Cody. So there were a lot of uh, issues and things that that we kind of had to, again, go down the path with Kathleen with. And at the end of the day, um, we were able to get the case resolved. And what she used that money for was to create a foundation called Cody's Kids, Tomorrow's Heroes. So what Cody wanted to do uh, was become an EMT, which actually is, is what Kathleen has, has done on her, herself. She's been uh, an ambulance EMT for many years and now works in the, in the corporate environment of, of one of those uh, ambulance services. But so that was his goal. He wanted to become an EMT like Kathleen and, and help serve others as well so what Kathleen has done is she's created a scholarship that will pay for the ENT training for any child who is within the child protective services programs so it's kind of a specialized area focusing on the background of Cody and and kids you know somewhat disadvantaged uh, to try to help them get the training to again uh, you know better their lives as well as serve others
0: wow You know, uh, oftentimes I think that, you know, when we read, you know, say newspaper accounts or, you know, hear a story on the news and, you know, we hear, uh, you know, reasons why people die in traffic incidents and, uh, you know, no matter what their age. And sometimes I think uh, the temptation can be to just make a judgment about a whole person because of the circumstances immediately surrounding their death. And yet the invitation is, to me, still there to really discover you know, who is the whole person, you know, which obviously Kathleen knew Cody in a way that, you know, nobody reading a newspaper account would uh, would understand or probably appreciate. But, you know, I think there's an invitation there still to think about the people who who die in traffic incidents as whole human beings that had aspirations and uh, that there was more to them than just what happened in that moment and all. And to hear, you know, what Kathleen has done and continues to do to bring great good into the world and, you know, in many ways to help preserve the lives of other people, you know, because those people who get scholarships and become EMTs themselves are probably going to be in a situation where, you know, it's up to them to preserve the life of the the people that they encounter that particular day. So.
1: You're absolutely right. And especially in today's social media world where, you know, an article may get put up short. You know, article about an accident or something, and all sorts of comments. But yeah, we truly don't know what happened and all the circumstances, or like you said, the individuals involved by that short little uh, little snippet.
0: Are there any other stories that uh, I mean, they don't have to rival Cody's, but you know, that, <laughs> you know that, but that kind of inspire you to keep uh, doing what you're doing?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, not all of our cases involve involve deaths, and some involve, you know. A, Minor injuries, uh, relatively speaking, and and again, I mean, for, for me, it's just the satisfaction at the end of a case. A lot of my first meetings with clients involve tears, talking about what's happened to them or what they're going through. Whereas the best part of my job is at the end of a claim when I'm having a meeting with a client. Most times, those end in hugs, you know, rather than tears. So, so again, I mean, that, that's just the most rewarding to me. Not only helping clients through the time of you know allowing them to heal, whether that's mentally or physically, initially. You know, we can take that initial stress off of them in dealing with the insurance company. But then again, helping guide them through the process to ultimately be able to bring it to closure for them. I tell me time and time again, regardless of monetary aspect of a case, just being able to to close a case and kind of that chapter of their life is, is therapeutic to them.
0: Well, thank you. I mean, thank you for your humanity. You know, in the work that you're doing, because oftentimes I I wonder if people think about humanity, you know, in terms of, of, uh, you know, somebody working in the legal profession and what they bring to the table. Because ultimately, to me, everything's about relationships, because I think about that with families that I've encountered who have, uh, you know, become friends of sorts with, you know, maybe the police officer that showed up at their door, you know, to inform them that a loved one had died. And, you know, what a tough position to be put in. Even though it may say, "Well, they're professionals," like, well, I don't know how professional we all can be as human beings. Sometimes it's like, is that something we're getting paid for to get be a human being? Yeah, <laughs> the you're right. Yeah,
1: at the end of the day, we all have our emotions and our personal experiences, and and uh, yeah, it impacts us.
0: You know, because how do you take care of yourself when you're dealing with all these emotional cases and you know the variety of people that you end up encountering?
1: Um. Well, that's a very good, very good question, uh, and it's something that the yeah, the bar association, uh, you know, has shifted over the last 25 years to to focus more on yeah the the personal aspect of a of a law practice because again it it is uh, you know emotionally challenging. Thankfully, I have a great support system at home. You know, I've been married for i don't know, it'll be 25 years coming up in October. We have two, uh, I still call them young boys, but they're both in their 20s now and in college, <laughs> but, but but just. You know, being able to go home to, to them at the end of the day and, and, and hug them and, and being thankful for, for everything we have. I mean, you know, sometimes people in my profession and certainly personal injury lawyers get a bad rap just in terms of, you know, some of the advertising and things that people have seen. But like you talked about before, articles or things you, you see, you really don't get the full background of, of who somebody is or, or why they do it. So obviously, you know, this is what I do for a living, but at the end of the day, you know the reason I do that is is for the people and the clients and and the relationship I built over the years. You know, I have many clients from, you know, 20 years ago that you know we touch base with a couple times a year just to just to see how they're doing.
0: Well, it's nice to hear about the the follow up and that you have the support at home and you have know, a place to rejuvenate and recharge.
1: Yeah. I know you do the, uh, the run to Pike's peak, I think every yeah. September or so. Yeah.
0: We'll be doing that in two and a half weeks. <laughs> oh, okay. There. So, uh, that,
1: that's how I, uh, relieve stress too is run. I, I don't consider myself a runner, but I've been running now for oh, probably about 20 years. You're a runner. <laughs> but I you, know, I, you know, I don't really enjoy it, but I do it again. It really, it's, it clears my mind. And, uh, I know it's good for me as well as I get older, but, uh, so, yeah, uh, you know, I'm not sure what it uh, would be like out in Pikes Peak, but I'm sure it's beautiful. Well,
0: you know, our, our repeat listeners would, would know that I actually came up with the idea for Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 while out on a run, you know, back in late July of 1998. The phrase literally popped oh, wow. in my head and I started mulling it over and I said, I think I can do something with this. And, and almost, well, 24 years later now, <laughs>
1: we're, uh, we, we keep going and uh, there's still opportunities out there. So you know how it is sometimes you're running and things just popping in your mind that you know, would never have otherwise thought about or uh,
0: <laughs> Well I think that's the beauty of running is that it's an opportunity to kind of cleanse the brain and let some thoughts percolate that might not ordinarily be there and you just never know where those are going to take you. For those of you who are listening who maybe not familiar with our Pikes Peak weekend, Uh, Keep Kids Alive Drive 25, for the last 15 years, we've had a running team that runs the Pikes Peak Ascent Trail Race or Marathon. We've had a few marathoners that have run up and down Pikes Peak. Uh, For those of you who have never run 13 miles down a mountain, uh, that's the hard part. (laughs) That's the hardest part. But we do that in honor of loved ones who've died in traffic incidents. And uh, for the last 10 years, we've had uh, families that have actually come out and joined us for the weekend to uh, honor and remember and celebrate their loved ones. And uh, some of those family members have runners who've run with us, and uh, many of them are part of our cheer squad that kind of motivate us and keep us going that day. And uh, it uh, really has been a special weekend. It's kind of what I call a a reverse Make-A-Wish weekend. Families couldn't do that one last thing they would have liked to have done with their loved one, which is what Make-A-Wish helps happen. So we kind of do the reverse of that that for the families uh, to bring them to a beautiful place to share stories and make memories and create their own little informal support network along the way. And uh, we've got people all over the country who have connected with each other through these weekends and uh, stay in touch and remember anniversaries and birthdays, all those important days in the lives of their loved ones, uh, no matter how long ago it was that their loved one died. So it's been a real special thing. And... uh, we look forward to next year because next year will be the 25th anniversary of Keep Kids Alive Drive 25. And I, I, I have to admit, I, I didn't imagine 25 years ahead you know, mm. when we started this whole thing and all the things that would happen along the way. I want to just kind of circle back to the work that you do day in and day out because, you know, when a, a tragic event happens or something just totally unexpected happens, it has to do with a traffic incident. You know, what advice or tips do you have that you would give to uh, an individual or a family about how to proceed, you know, when something
1: arises that uh, was totally unexpected? The best advice, you know, simple advice I can give is, is reach out to an attorney. Each state has attorneys, you know, personal injury attorneys generally will get out free consultations, talk to people on the phone uh, or, or initially in, in person. And if nothing else, just ask some questions. There's always many, many questions and, and some can be answered early on. And some questions, unfortunately, it just, it's gonna take time to be answered. But but like I said, uh, you know, anyone that would be reaching out to these individuals or families from the insurance company or business from the other side, what have you, don't have the, the injured person's interest at heart. So what, what the injured person needs to, to do is talk to someone who can answer questions from their perspective and what's in their best interest uh, rather than talking to the insurance company. So, so that would be the best advice is just, just reach out and, and ask some questions. You know, just because you talk to an attorney doesn't mean you have to hire one or that doesn't mean if you hire one that you're going to end up at the lawsuit or, or many things that you may read about. But like I said, the, the process and then the legal process as far as the insurance bank process it, is very unique. And most people don't ever hopefully ever have to go through that in their lives. But when they do, there's a, an education uh, that needs to happen because it it is a process and uh, insurance companies and their adjusters deal with it every day.
0: Well, you know, in, in thinking about reaching out, you know, are there tips you might be able to offer about, you know, how somebody might be able to evaluate, you know, a local attorney, you know, because I, I, I'll, I'll own, you know, I think about this and I realize this is different from state to state, but, you know, some states I travel to and my gosh, it's just... Uh, you know, billboard city all over the place. And, and then you turn on the TV and every third advertisement is for a personal injury lawyer screaming at you to to contact them or bring your business their way. And, and, uh, I have to own, I, it, it doesn't make me feel like they're very credible when, when they're doing that, but, uh, you know, that's my own bias. I'll own it. But I figure if somebody were to maybe ask some questions that would help evaluate the attorney that they're talking with. And, uh, you know, maybe get a, help them to get a sense of, is this the right person?
1: Sure. And I absolutely agree with you. You know, attorney advertising over the last 20 to 30 years has changed the industry and, and changed uh, uh, certainly personal injury cases. But I always tell clients that, that the attorney-client relationship needs to be very similar to the doctor-patient relationship. You need to be comfortable with with your doctor and and taking their recommendations on on your health. The same you do as your lawyer. You need to be comfortable being able to talk with them and and ask questions and you know have difficult conversations as you would with your doctor. And you need to be comfortable to do that. And so just because yeah someone has a big billboard or a a TV ad doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the right attorney for you. So the best way um, is word of mouth. Ask your friends and family members whether they've you know gone through the the process or know of any attorneys. In today's world, uh, online, you can at least get a, a feel for a, a lawyer and a firm. And, and I also must admit, uh, you know, Google reviews nowadays, you know, at least gets us some insight into others' experiences. Um, and and I'm, a, you know, I'm a believer based upon dealing with insurance companies or things, and things. Yeah, the past history tells us a lot about the future. So,
0: It's good to hear. Um, you know, when I, I think about, you know, some families that I've encountered along, the, you know, throughout the years that have connected with our mission because of a death and, not knowing what to do I know I've a kept I've connected them with some attorneys uh, uh, throughout the years people that I knew that I was it's like okay this this is a good person <laughs> you know <laughs> you know because uh, I guess one of my measuring sticks in life sometimes is uh, is this person somebody that I could stand in the driveway and we could have a nice conversation neighbor to neighbor and you know if I have that sense about a person it's like well you know it's it's the person uh, I mean they may have specific, you know, knowledge, obviously, in this case, in the legal field, but, you know, it's the person that ultimately that you're connecting with. And so, you know, obviously, as you said, and uh, I guess I just like to echo is, you know, do you feel comfortable and to listen, listen to yourself that way? And
1: hopefully that'll make for a good match. Like you mentioned before, life is about relationships.
0: You know you had connected with us from kind of a partnering standpoint. You know we're based in Omaha and you're in Indiana. And when you think about you know how a law firm like yours can partner, uh, you know whether it's with keep kids alive drive twenty five or you know any other traffic safety entity that might be out there, you know what are the kind of things that you're looking for or what kind of or what kind of aspirations might you have for where a partnership can uh, you know can take us? And I, I guess I'd like to emphasize us because, you know, sometimes uh, I think partnerships uh, can get a bad rap themselves because it's like, okay, I'm going to partner with you and and then I'm going to do whatever you want to do or you're going to do whatever I want to do. And that's not really a partnership. I figure, you know, partners bring something unique to the table and uh, it's like something wholly new could emerge out of all of that. And, you know, to me, that's kind of the exciting aspect of, of looking at partnerships.
1: No, I I absolutely agree. I mean, I I think partnerships need to be beneficial for everyone involved. And and that's where I think, uh, you know, uh, law firms and and organizations can be beneficial uh, moving forward is with that messaging. And that's, again, what we really liked about Keep Kids Alive is the message of of safety throughout the community. I don't know the yard signs, but I have the... uh, um, our recyclable cans and our trash cans—the the the, the stickers—again, um, just a reminder to people. Um, I, I live on a fairly busy road here. You know, Brownsburg is a, a small, relatively small town on the west side of Indianapolis, about thirty thousand people or so. But I live on one of the the, the main thoroughfares, I guess, through town. And uh, here recently, there was construction on another thoroughfare, so I, everyone kind of came to our road. Yeah, the the speed that some of these cars uh, would would drive with was just crazy. So every Tuesday night when I'd put out my cans, again, I, I'd always think, you know, if, if one person sees this and, and slows down or something, uh, you know, it's only really beneficial. So I just think, yeah, trying to get the messages out that that we all care about is community safety. You know, the more we can get it out, whether it's through law firms, or organizations such as yours, uh, you know, the better we'll all be.
0: And just to let our listeners know, the uh, trash can decals is part of a bigger initiative we have. It's called America's Trash Talks to Keep Kids Alive. Uh, we actually have had whole communities that have decaled their trash cans with our logos. And uh, that way, everybody, when they're putting out trash, the whole neighborhood sending out the same message. And uh, hopefully that helps to slow down traffic. I know in our first iteration of that back in Oro Valley, Arizona, which dates all the way back to 1999, they did a pre post study and showed a 13.5% reduction in average speed where the average speed on their residential streets was 24 and a half miles an hour. And I think most people would be very happy to see the traffic adhering to the posted speed limit and even going a tiny bit slower. You know, that's uh, something that you can learn about at our website, keepkidsalivedrive25.org. And we're always happy to, uh, to work with communities in that way. But I think, too, one of the things that struck me when you mentioned about drivers being detoured sometimes is that, and I invite all of us, because all of us whoever get behind the wheel, you know, for whatever reason whatsoever, is to to again, focus in on relationships. you know and the consideration that uh, every neighborhood that we drive through, every car that's around us or truck that's around us, uh, any vehicle that's around us, is being driven by somebody who has people who love them and who they love. And, you know, they want to return home to them and uh, they want their loved ones to return home as well. And I think it's it's really creating that mentality of of recognizing that we all have people that we care about. And so how about if we display the kind of behavior in our driving that says, well, I care about you as much as I'd like you to care about my family as well. And, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a stretch in terms of being that magnanimous to everyone. <laughs> Because maybe sometimes we don't like how people drive.
1: It's interesting you bring that up. I mean, I, I, I was in an article in the New York Times last week that after many years of decline since 2020, traffic accidents, deaths are actually on the on the increase. And there's a lot of theories as to why that is, uh, but, but one of them is impulsive behavior. I mean, people have kind of you know, been in isolation so much they, they're sort of you know, looking out for their own self-interest. And, and once they get on the roadway, they're kind of taking their, that action and that mindset uh, with them, and, which is leading to, to more traffic accidents as well as more deaths, which is surprising. Like I said, since uh, for over 20 years, that number was heading down.
0: A lot of times I like to use sports analogies, and uh, you know I know if they're real helpful depending on how people hear them. But you know I like I'll take a situation like tailgating, and uh, it's like, well, why should you not tailgate? I mean, and oftentimes it'll end up slowing you down in traffic and causing great irritation. I said, but you know, let's let's look at a football team, and if you got a running back, and if the running back uh, leaves some space between himself and uh, his blockers and gives them an opportunity to do what they can do, then pretty soon the lane will open up and you can do what you can do. Sometimes it's to me, it's a, just a matter of patience on the road to kind of let things clear up, to let the congestion clear up. And then you'll you know, be able to maintain hopefully a speed that uh, you know adheres to the speed limit, but uh, that the road will open up and that you'll end up with having less stress in your life as well. You know, a couple decades ago, uh, ABC, I think on their Good Morning America, they did a experiment uh, in the Washington, D.C. area where they had two drivers that started at the same point. were going to end at the same point. But one drove very aggressively and the other just followed all the rules of the road. And lo and behold, the person who followed all the rules of the road arrived at their destination before the person who was driving aggressively. <laughs> Because you know, oftentimes they end up switching lanes real quickly, but then you know get stuck in traffic nonetheless, or they just get to a stoplight faster than than a person who's just adhering to the speed limit might do. And you know, to me, you know, it's a nice little experiment that kind of shows us it's okay to calm down and relax and. And just pay attention to what we need to be doing behind the wheel and just honor the people around us as well as the people in our own cars. Because I figure if we put ourselves and other people in danger, whether they happen to be in our own vehicle or around us, uh, it's probably going to not make our day any better.
1: You're absolutely right. And and probably, you know, it's things that we're all taught in driver's training. But as we get farther and farther away from that and we're more experienced drivers and think we're better drivers, we Again, push some of that safety information to the back of our minds and get distracted by other things.
0: I'm I'm always reminded that uh, when I took driving lessons from Mr. Kelly when I was a junior in high school, or I guess I was a sophomore in high school, and uh, I actually got a 98 on my driving test uh, when I actually went out to drive. But I, I got done, and Mr. Kelly looked at me and he said, If you think you're a 98% driver, <laughs> you are kidding yourself. He says, You are not. He <laughs> says, Do you know? He's like, I, I don't think he was asking me to to uh, be uh, humble in any, any false kind of way. It was like, Just be humble out there. And, and I know when I went out for my first solo drive after I got my license, I. I It's like, okay, the light's turning yellow. It's like, okay, what do I do here? It's like, well, we've practiced all these things, but we haven't practiced them enough to really make them a part and parcel of who we are behind the wheel. And I figure there's none of us who are listening here. We might want to lay claim to being the best driver in the world, but I don't know that there's any age that we arrive at where we could make that claim. Because as you mentioned earlier, just in terms of the variety of cases that you take on, you know, every day is different on the road, and we have no idea who we're going to encounter or how that encounter is going to happen. And uh, you know, I'm reminded of the story of when my uh, oldest son was practiced driving, and uh, we were out on the interstate, and there was a car weaving in and out of traffic. So I mentioned to him, I said, you know, at, at any one time a day, between 1% and 3% of drivers are driving under the influence of something. I said, no, you have no control over the decision they made, I said, "But what we do have control over is your spacing, you know, is to create space so that you have an opportunity that, regardless of what somebody else does, that you can maneuver and you know, hopefully create a safer situation for yourself." And I got a tune for one that day because our second son was sitting in the back seat and he was 14, and he said. Uh, dad, how do you know this stuff? <laughs> and, and, you know, it wasn't a matter, you know, for me, it was a matter of just knowing, wow, he was listening. You
1: know? <laughs> so it's, it's the small so, victories, the small victories as a parent.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, you know, and just paying attention to that, you know, because there's a project I worked on years ago called flashing your brights that had to do with substance abuse and, uh, underage drinking and, and how do you address some of those issues and uh, there's a little project called flashing your brights where the whole idea of flashing your brights is to do kind of a little 30-second intervention where you can say what you know you can say what you observe uh, you can express appropriate care for the person there's no guarantee that what you say is going to change their behavior but you may be giving them information that they didn't formally have that could be helpful to them if not in the moment hopefully in the future You know, because oftentimes I think we want to intervene in a big way and have something very dramatic happen. And oftentimes it's just those uh, subtle interactions, you know, like giving the information about one to three percent of drivers being under the influence of something. It's like, well, you know, most people on the road probably don't think about that and uh, that that's something that we need to consider when we we go out. Another little tidbit, uh, and I don't know how this plays in with your work, Matt, but uh, I know here in Nebraska, over 60% of traffic fatalities, uh, those people are unbuckled, and all for the lack of two and five inches of fabric, they could have gone home or they may have suffered some injury, but you know, not a catastrophic or life-ending uh, injury. So sometimes just recognizing that just knowing that little detail might get you to buckle up.
1: Yeah, I mean, we had the same experience in Indiana, despite the seatbelt law, in effect, for, for many, many years. So some people just aren't in that habit, or for one reason, another choose not to. But, but we have seen instances over the years where, where people were ejected from a vehicle and sustained further injury or death, whereas if they were simply buckled, and they could have had you know, a less, less minimal injury. <laughs>
0: Well, Matt, as, as uh, we wrap up today, uh, you know, are there any things that are just floating around in your head that you came in thinking, well, I, I wouldn't want to end this conversation without having said this?
1: Safety involves all of us. Myself and our firm and in the cases we handle can have some impact as well as your organization, but it's really all of us combined and, and having a consistent message get out to the community to know that everyone's actions never a little bit helps. And then the other thing would be, you know, that for people out there who may have a stereotypical personal injury lawyer in their mind to know that we're, you know, we're all different. And and again, if you're ever looking for an attorney, look for someone you're comfortable with, because again, an important relationship and, and, and there's really a bond that develops there that uh, could, could be life altering.
0: Kind of makes me think uh, oftentimes we hear about comprehensive insurance and do you have comprehensive insurance and but when we really think about comprehensive insurance in terms of you know maybe the bigger picture, you know is the need to be comprehensive and paying attention to how everybody fits into the puzzle that creates a safe environment, hopefully for all of us, or helps to create better outcomes for people as well. You know I'm sure many people listening have uh, experienced and encountered tragic situations in life, and uh, you know how do we move forward from there? And so you know, I'm pleased that. Not only you, Matt, but your colleagues all over the country, you know, who are willing to uh, walk with and listen and, uh, you know, be compassionate with people who walk in the door who aren't simply clients, but are other human beings that have a particular need and uh, for support in a very difficult time in life. So uh, grateful that you'd give us the time uh, to have this conversation. Thank you.
1: It's my pleasure, and I think the word outcome is is the appropriate word there because that looks different to different people, and in each case, the outcome is different. But what we work hard for every day is to make sure that that outcome is best for each family that we represent. Thank you for your time today and all the work that you've done, and uh, continue to do as well.
0: You know, Matt, uh, if you wouldn't mind giving your contact information and maybe the address for your uh, website, people can follow up with you that way.
1: Sure. Um, uh, yeah, again, I'm Matt Bolton with the Bolton Law Group. We're in, uh, right near Indianapolis, Indiana. Our website address is boltoninjurylaw.com and that's B-O-U-L-T-O-N injurylaw.com. My email is, just my first name, Matt, M-A-T-T at boltonlawgrp.com. If anyone has any questions, uh, feel free to reach out.
0: Well, thank you. And, uh, You know, for our listeners too, if you want to find out more information about Keep Kids Alive Drive 25, you can visit our website, uh, keepkidsalivedrive25.org. Or if you're into shorthand, you can just do kkad25.org. That'll get you there too. And if you look at our partners page, Bolton Law is on our partners page too. So there's a direct link to their website there. So you've got uh, multiple ways to connect with uh, Matt if you wanted to follow up for any reason or with any question. And thanks for being our first lawyer on our on our Keep Kids Alive podcast. It was uh, probably long past due and pleased that you would accepted the invitation to do so.
1: I appreciate the invitation. Please visit kkad25.org to find out how you can support Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 and get involved by following on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Remember, it's about kids, it's about safety, it's about caring, It's about time.